like to welcome you to Lakeside Christian Church. I just want to make a couple of announcements before I invite you to open your Bibles to the 23rd chapter of Matthew. But this week we have a couple of opportunities that are in their beginning stages where you, with a community of people, can go deeper into God's Word. And so we want to make you aware of them. Uh, On Wednesday evening is a ladies' study that just began last week, and it's a great opportunity uh, for all ladies in the church if you're able to come and engage in a study with uh, with other ladies and ask questions uh, of the Bible together in community and to grow and to learn together. And then on Thursday evening, a new study is beginning that will be focusing on evangelism and learning how to evangelize, what the Bible uh, says about it and how we can just continue to foster a spirit of evangelism within all of us individually but collectively as well as a church. And then next Sunday, as was already mentioned, we're anticipating a special Sunday, a Sunday where four young men are going to be testifying publicly to what the Lord has done in their own lives and hearts through baptism. Baptism is a physical symbol where uh, you get immersed all the way in water, visualizing the death and burial of Jesus Christ, and then you're brought up out of the water, visualizing his resurrection on our behalf. And so four men are going to be here sharing their testimony of what God has done in their life and then be baptized. And so we encourage you and invite you uh, to come and to bring a friend with you as we celebrate that time together. And then in the evening, the teens and young adults are going to begin a once a month evening service called Intersect. Um, From the intersection from youth to adulthood, we're often faced with choices and responsibilities that increase in their consequence. And in that time and phase of our life, we want to focus on Jesus Christ who intersected time and eternity, God and humanity, so that you and I could have a relationship with him. At 6 p.m., a prayer meeting, about 45-minute prayer meeting will start, and then at 7 o'clock, the evening service will begin. It'll be the last Sunday of every month in the evening at 7 o'clock. And that's all I have by way of announcements. There are actually more, and they're in the handout for you, and so we always encourage you to read through those uh, to see anything that we uh, have not highlighted. But with that, I'll invite you to open a Bible to Matthew chapter 23. And if you are using one of the Bibles that's been provided for you, you'll find it on page 829. Matthew chapter 23, and the verses where we will be starting begin on page 829. And as we turn to there, let's turn to the Lord one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we come with Bibles open before us and hearts open before you asking that you would speak to us, that we wouldn't just look into our time together now as a way of just gaining information about facts and events of something that happened long ago, but that we would experience you right here and now speaking to us, a message from you for our lives. Father, we feel like we are surrounded by messages. We are surrounded by people who want to give us advice or sell us something. And we gather here now hungry to hear what you would say. And so we pray that your word would speak to us and to challenge us and to call us ever further into the relationship that you intend for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we're gonna begin reading at verse 23 and conclude with verse 
28. If you'll follow along with me as we read, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." That concludes the portion of scripture for this morning. But we are in a society today that loves to treat symptoms instead of disease. So much so that many of us can't even distinguish between what is a symptom and what is a disease. But a symptom is, if you will, a sign, something that tells you that there's something else wrong. So for example, many of us in this very season of winter have been coughing and having a runny nose, which are symptoms telling us that inside our bodies are fighting something that they're trying to get rid of. There's, there's something in there that our bodies are not happy with and they're trying to get rid of. And so the symptom of coughing and of having a runny nose is your, our body's own way of trying to get rid of whatever it is that it doesn't like inside. And yet many of us, when we're coughing and we have a runny nose, what we desire to do is to stop the coughing and to stop the runny nose. And so we take some kind of a medication that is a cough suppressant. And we are actually fighting against the very things that our bodies are trying to do uh, to help us get better. Or as you drive a car, every now and again, you'll see a light that comes on and it says, check your engine. And when you see that light, it's easy sometimes to think, well, that's, that's an annoying light. That light's not usually there. How would you feel if you took it into a shop and they said, we took care of the light? Well, great. What did you fix? We didn't fix anything. We just took the light bulb out. What? You did what? The light was on for a reason. Yeah, you brought it in. You said the light was on. The light was annoying to you, so we took care of the light. But... I don't want you to take care of the light. I want you to take care of what the light is pointing to. Or all of us are supposed to, if we don't, have functioning smoke alarms in our home. And when the smoke alarm goes off, it's a really annoying sound. So much so that you could almost think, wow, if I could just hook up a smoke alarm so that it would play either my favorite radio station or something on my iPod shuffle, it would be a much less annoying noise. The problem is you wouldn't do anything about it. (laughs) It's supposed to be annoying. It's supposed to be so annoying that you want to do something about it. You want to shut it off. You want to get out of your house because the noise is annoying. 
These are signs telling us that there's something deeper going on. And when we care more about the signs than the thing that's deeper going on, we'll often find ourselves treating symptoms and never dealing with the disease. Isn't it true? It's true about me. I'd rather take pain medication than have surgery. Wouldn't you? And when we come to God, sometimes we come out of him because we're experiencing some symptoms. Something has gone on, either a relationship in our life is falling apart, um, financially things are getting really tough, emotionally we're struggling with certain events that are happening in our lives. There are symptoms that are coming up, and when we come to God, we often come to him with the very same approach that our culture encourages us to approach everything else, which is God, deal with the symptom. God, do you have any pain medication that we could take? And when he tells us he has a solution, but it involves surgery, we say, well, then I'm going to see if there's somebody else who will give me something else because I don't want to go through that. But as we've been spending a couple weeks looking at the 23rd chapter of Matthew, we've been seeing Jesus, the great physician, diagnosing a huge spiritual problem in the life of a group of people called the Pharisees. And as he, the great physician, is diagnosing for them what's wrong, he's, he's pointing out things in their lives that are symptoms of deeper problems. And how their approach to God and to religion is actually keeping them from ever knowing him in a significant way. And so our passage highlighted three different areas where Jesus is highlighting for the Pharisees and the scribes how in their own approach to God, in their own approach to religion, they are hoping simply to deal with symptoms. They're hoping to simply receive pain medication. And Jesus challenges them. And he highlights three things that we can look at today and say, if if these are the very same things we want when we come to religion, when we come to God, it might reveal a deeper problem in us. But look at the first one in verses 23 and 24. You scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you tithe, mint and dill and cumin, yet you neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. When we come to God simply desiring for him to take care of certain problems with us, we have a way of focusing on minor details, focusing on minor details to the neglect of major issues. Here, uh, Jesus is describing how these people are so detail-oriented that they tithe, they give a tenth of even the spices that they have. It was a principle in all of, uh, for every Jew that you tithed. You gave a tenth of your produce, a tenth of what you received, and you set it aside and you gave it in service to the Lord. And they're so detail-oriented that they're not only tithing, if you will, their paycheck, but all the way down to the very smallest things in their life even basic spices. They're so careful to set aside a tenth to ensure faithfulness to God. And yet in doing that, somehow they've neglected the weightier matters, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. This summary of the law that would have been given by the prophet Micah in Micah 6.8. Jesus is saying to them, how, how are you so focused on minor details that you miss the major issues. 
And he gives them a word picture that is quite hilarious. And if you don't think Jesus ever used uh, sarcasm or satire a little bit, look at verse 24. He says, you blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And you say, what does he mean? He means literally what he's saying. He's trying to get this absurd picture in your head that if, uh, if they were sitting around at a dinner table and they were drinking and then a little gnat came into the drink, they would try as hard as they could to strain that out because an insect in your drink might have made it unclean. And so you're, you're going to all this work to, to get this tiny little thing out. And while you're so focused on this tiny little bug or piece of dirt that's in your drink, you are consuming an entire camel. Isn't that absurd? Why do you care so much about trying to get this tiny little thing right and fixed out of your life when you're eating, if you will, a whole elephant? It doesn't even make sense. Why would you spend so much of your effort and your energy and your time on things that are so minor and unimportant? Now, to be honest, some of us and some of you who maybe are only getting familiar with Christianity, most of what you've been exposed to about Christians and what they believe has been what you've seen through uh, external media or popularized in TV shows. And so that you would say to us as Christians that that's actually one of the things we do. We focus passionately on really, really minor issues, minor details, and we miss the major things. Some of you would come in and if all you've ever been exposed to of Christians is what you would see on CNN or this or that, would think that all of Christianity is built around a certain political party or trying to get a certain law passed or a certain way of behavior affirmed and solidified by everybody. And you look and you say, it just seems like you're spending a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy focusing on the other behavior of adult persons or this or that, trying to win certain political parties when there seems to be deeper issues at work in our society that we need to address. And I want to say to you, as a Christian, that that, while that's often what is portrayed, I don't believe most of the time that is reality. What we care most about is not a political agenda or who or who is not in the White House at any given time. What we care most about is the truth of who God is and the opportunity that he has given for you and for me to know him through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the major issue that you and I have to deal with. Who is Jesus? What was his life like? What did he stand for? And do we stand with him? And it's possible in coming to that conviction, in studying his life and committing to follow him, that you and I might have differences as it relates to some things that come up today. And we can actually agree to disagree on some of these contemporary debates if we can focus on the major issue of who Jesus is, what he stood for, and whether or not we are following him. But... There's a symptom of something wrong when we care a lot about a little and we miss the major issues. Then the next one, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. 
So on the first hand, we minor on details and we miss the major issues. In this one, we focus on the externals instead of the internals. We clean, we, we spend a lot of time cleaning the outside of something and neglecting the inside. Wouldn't you think that if we didn't really care about what the inside was like, we just wouldn't care about cleaning? Just leave the whole thing dirty. But we don't do that. There's a, there's a desire to have an external appearance of cleanliness. And so, again, here for the the people that Jesus is talking to, the Pharisees, they would have been concerned about things that were clean and unclean and whether it was appropriate. If if something was unclean, they should not have consumed it. They would have been defiling themselves, not just with the threat of maybe, you know, not feeling well and having an upset stomach in the afternoon. They would have thought of themselves as disobeying God and doing something offensive to him. And while they understood those categories, what they cared more about is whether or not someone else thought that they were consuming something clean or unclean. And so it wasn't, would would God really care about this? Is this really important to him? But will other people around me think of me as doing the right thing or the wrong thing? And so they cared about the externals instead of the internals. They cared more about, if you will, making sure that they attended church and then they could check that off of their box and less concerned about how they spoke to somebody yesterday when they were standing in line and things just weren't going quite the way they had been hoping. But by attending church on Sunday, from the perspective of other people, things seem to be okay. It doesn't matter that last evening I was using tons of inappropriate and abusive language to my spouse or to my kids or to my neighbor. That's kind of what had been happening in the lives of these Pharisees. They'd been so focused on external things, taking care of the packaging. But who of us would really want, if, if there was something that was presented to us in the form of a glass and it said on it, poison, poison, danger, you know, not for human consumption, that we'd want somebody to say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put that down. Let me take the label off and, and put Coca-Cola on it. <laughs> say, no, the, the label's there for a reason. This is not for human consumption. I don't, I don't want this. But when all we care about is the externals, then all we care about is the labeling. All we care about is, this, is the packaging, even though inside is something wrong. And so we focus on the externals instead of the internals. And here's the thing that the Bible says time and time again. God cares much more about who you are than what you ever do. God cares much more about who you and I are than what you or I ever do. He does not get his priorities out of whack. He cares about the internal. He cares about the type of person that you and I are. And then he goes on to say, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. One of the strongest rebukes you could give a Pharisee is that they're full of lawlessness. Because the Pharisees were the people of the law. They loved keeping the law. And Jesus says to them flat out, you are actually full of lawlessness. And he gives now this example of being focused on appearances instead of substance. 
So here they are, they're so committed to religion, but they focus on minor details and miss major issues. They care about externals instead of internals, and they care about appearances instead of substance. They're like whitewashed tombs. Uh, Tombs would have been whitewashed so that others around them could have realized, oh, and and maybe at times of festival season where there were a larger gathering of people, you don't again want to touch this because this is a grave site. And if you get too close to a tombstone, then you become unclean. And so there was a way to mark the stones that were tombstones so that you could know this is something that I need to avoid. And he's saying, you're kind of, you're kind of like a, a whitewashed tombstone. There's, there's a shininess about you on the outside. There's a bit of a glow. But inside is simply stuff that's rotting away. You care about appearing outwardly righteous to others when inside there's something in you that doesn't really mean this, doesn't really feel this, doesn't really believe this. And so again, we have to ask ourselves the question, what kind of people are we? When we think about God and religion, are we focused on a list of things to do or are we willing to examine what the symptoms might challenge us about who we are? So that when we're faced with a a decision of a situation that maybe is complex to us and we don't really know what the right thing to do is, we can ask ourselves the question, you know, what do I think other people should do? How can I, since everybody's looking at me right now, uh, what what are the appropriate words that I should say? Or when you, when, you, when you focus maybe less on what peer pressure would encourage you to do and what character might encourage you to do, you could say, what would a person who was just completely honest do in this situation? What would a person who is completely honest, did not tell lies or mislead, what would he or she say right now? And then say that. What would somebody who God was trying to produce the fruit of long-suffering in? There's in Galatians a description of fruit that God's trying to produce in each and every one of us. What would somebody who God was trying to produce long-suffering in, what would that person do in this situation? Well, do that. Because what God is trying to do into you and to me is to produce character, to focus on who we are. We can honor God and worship God, not only as scribes who write down a copy text of Bible, not just as Pharisees, people who are you know, officially responsible for things in the church. We can worship God in any profession that we do. If what we're focused on are the major issues, we care about the internal realities and the substance of our faith. But you and I have the opportunity to enjoy a relationship with God if we will allow him to diagnose our spiritual life and health and to point out to us the areas where we are missing the mark. And that's what we've titled this whole series because that's always one of the, the struggles when we study this passion, this portion of scripture. That if you would have just asked the Pharisees how they're doing, they all would have thought of themselves as doing really well. They're the faithful ones. They're the ones that are trying hard. They're seeking to know God. And it's to them that Jesus gives the harshest of his rebukes, the strongest of his criticisms, the greatest of his hyperboles. The camel swallowers. 
And so you say, if we, if we hear some of those very same things growing up in us that these Pharisees are doing, maybe we're still bringing the basic approach to religion that they are, which is that we are trying somehow to make ourselves ready and presentable to God. And when we notice that we're not quite good at that, then we just find shortcuts for ways to make it appear like we're good enough for him. But our basic approach to God is still to say, how can I make myself acceptable to him? Instead of, as Jesus had challenged them at the end of chapter 22, leading into this whole section, to realize that we never do that. You and I can never make ourselves acceptable enough to God. He, through his son, makes us acceptable to him. The way I heard it described that just stuck in me from a very young age was, do you clean yourself off before you take a shower or do you take a shower to get clean? Are you trying so hard to get everything in order before you come to God or are you willing to acknowledge you don't have it in order and so you need God because he's your only hope for ever getting it in order? He's the one who can make you clean. And so in conclusion, I want to go to two different portions of scripture that if, if we read Roman, or Matthew 23 and we don't want to be living out the religion of the Pharisees, what is the alternative? And for the first one, I'd like to turn to Romans 5, which you'll find on page 942. But when we are so set on trying to make ourselves acceptable to God, we're going to come up with all kinds of amazing ways to miss the mark. When we're willing to realize that God through his son is offering us an alternative, our lives will be characterized by something very different. Romans 5 on page 942, this is the description of the gospel Some of you maybe hear Christians talk a lot about the gospel. This is one of the best descriptions. Beginning in verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I just want to pause there for a moment. See, we have been justified not by our actions, our righteousness, our religion, our church attendance, our tithing, our whatever. We've been justified by faith and we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now look in verse six. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our 
Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here is a basic summary of what we as Christians come to know and believe in the gospel. That while we were enemies, while we were missing the mark, doing religion in all the wrong ways, or running away from God, at that time, Christ died for us and reconciled us back to the Father so that we could have a relationship with him, not based on what we do or do not do, but on on the basis of what he has done for us and what he has made and allowed each and every one of us to be. This is the gospel. And if you're a person here today who's saying, I'm not sure that I've ever heard that before. I'm not sure if I've ever committed my life to that. The only requirement to becoming a Christian is to acknowledge that you cannot become one on your own. That you cannot work hard enough, try hard enough, give enough money, or or make the externals, change the labels enough to ever become one. All you can do is acknowledge your need of him And then acknowledge his love for you. His love to the point of offering his own son for you. And when you embrace that, and when all of us come to a point of embracing it, and then we ask the question, well, if we really get that message, and so our religion is not one that's based on uh, caring just about the minor details, and it's not just about the externals, and it's not just about appearances, What would religion look like that was set free from performing for God but understanding that we are already belonging to him and this is then where we turn in conclusion. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 which you'll find on page 957. We're going back to Paul who a couple of weeks ago we mentioned was the most famous converted Pharisee. One who spent so much of his life and energy trying to look good for others, trying to be the best of the best in making himself acceptable to God. And that when he came to the point of understanding that God had already made him acceptable through Jesus, his life and his religion was characterized by something very, very different. We're going to begin in verse 19. On page 957, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Paul's approach to religion had been completely switched from one that said I want to look good in the eyes of other people to saying I want to serve other people because I love them I'm not doing what I'm doing because I want them to think well of me because I want them to approve of me I'm already approved by the maker of the universe 
I've already been accepted through the death of his son, so I now am free to love, free to serve, free to give to other people for their own good. Not giving to them so that they give something to me in return, but I am willing to become all things to all people that I, by all means, might help to save some. And all of this is for the sake of the gospel because I want them to share its blessing. And when we have come to know and understand the gospel, that we are accepted as we are, that we do not need to perform for God or do a whole list of laws in order to be accepted by him, but that we are already accepted by him, it gives us the freedom to lose ourselves, if you will. We recognize we're not the most important thing. He's the most important thing. And so what we care about, what we prioritize, almost everything else becomes negotiable about our own culture, about our own background, our own way of doing things. We're open to tweaking any and all of those to reach out to other people in love for them because we know that we've been loved like that by God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news that you love us too much to not be straight with us. That when we come to you and we just want some pain medicine and we just want to deal with some uncomfortable situations, that you love us too much to give us what we think we need and instead you give us what we really need. Father, I pray for anyone here who's feeling through the experiences of their life that they are not right with you. That there is a brokenness between the relationship that you desire with them and you. That you would give them, even in this very morning, a new and fresh awareness of the gospel, the truth that you've already made them acceptable. You've already embraced them through your son that they don't have to try to pretend, they don't have to put on a show, they don't have to change the label. They can come to you as they are. And Father, I pray for the rest of us who have embraced this news to be like Paul and to be willing to become all things for all people in love for them, to share with them the good news too. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.